Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. On the path, which is the name for our personal witchcraft practices, we have spent a great deal of time discussing what we believe and why. These conversations led to the writing of a book full of information about our tradition. We call these beliefs metaphysical kernels of thought because they are the start of much, much bigger ideas. We thought we would share some of these with you. So, today's metaphysical kernel of thought is Dark Nights of the Moon. The Dark Nights of the Moon is the three-day period between the waning and new moon. Many feel it is an inappropriate time for ritual and or magic. We do not think this way, and it may be a holdover from being uncomfortable with full darkness that our ancestors experienced rather than issues with using it as a magical time. Think about ancient peoples who watched the skies and saw the moon disappear and how frightening this must have been for cultures so dependent on the moon for timekeeping. Then down through history, witches have developed the reputation of sneaking around in the dead of night up to no good. On the path, we are taking back this time of darkness as something that is positive. Thinking about what creates these dark nights, it is actually the moon itself with its hidden energies associated with the dark. The moon is still there in the sky. It is just our perspective of viewing it from the earth that makes it seem to disappear or become invisible to us. When we started to think about the possibilities available, when we looked at the darkness in a new way, we began performing rituals that are less energetic and more introspective. We have learned that these dark nights of the moon energy is introspective, incubating, and divinatory. It is a good time to start plans or come up with ideas that you want to manifest during the upcoming moon cycle. It is also a good time to take stock of where you are in your practice in the present moment. We have also found that it is an excellent time for divination for the upcoming month. The rituals we perform at the dark moon are frequently simpler in keeping with the hindered energies involved. Often, they just involve an acknowledgement of the start of another moon cycle. Um, lots of groups, people, authors, or witchy pagan, will say, don't do anything in the dark nights of the moon. The moon is void, of course, leave it alone. That was a little pushy, I guess is a better word. And we started looking at why. Right, right, yep. Because I, I remember the, the first time I started practicing with other pagans. And, you know, at the time I was a seeker slash solitary, mm-hmm. um, like like an awful lot of people. Um, I had sort of been doing my own new moon stuff, or blank moon is what I called it. Um, and when I started first started to work with some other people, they were all like, yeah, no, we don't, we don't do magic then. We don't, we don't do rituals then and stuff like that. And I, I thought it was odd that in their tradition they didn't, but I continued to do it myself just as my own sort of add on to it. Well, you know, Sue and I both came from a more traditional 
Wiccan background initially, which is where a lot of people get their start, and I don't knock it because it gives you a lot of foundational stuff that you can play with. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and, and I think everybody needs to start somewhere with some structure when they suddenly decide that, oh, I want to be a witch as opposed to something else. <laughs> you know, it seems to be, make the transition a little easier emotionally for a lot of people. But as we got deeper and deeper into working with energies, we're so well, you were, I, I just want to kind of pivot back quick. You were talking about the why and, and where that didn't seem to feel right for you and Sue. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, that's where I was going. Uh, the idea is, okay, as a species, when you get back far enough, you got everybody watching the moon because it was a way to keep track of time. That's what you had. And all of a sudden, we didn't have the astronomical knowledge that the moon didn't leave. Right, right. It's gone forever. It's going to come back three days from now, kind of thing. And sure. terrifying that memory must be like in that primitive brain that we all have. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, even it, it's true that even the animals and wildlife in nature alter their behavior mat patterns during those three nights. Absolutely. It's a biological fact. It's a biological thing. So once we get past that biological knee jerk reaction, and then you think about the past where, which has had a reputation, shall we say, of being nefarious, and you're sneaking around in the dark, and thieves and murderers sneak around in the dark, so you don't want to be out in the dark, kind of. Well, well, and yeah, and that's, you can almost call it the modern news spin on it, because the fact of the matter is people were sneaking around every night, but the only ones that got talked about were the ones that were sneaking around on the dark nights, and it turned into, um, just like we had talked about before with Light, uh, dark and light or absence of light and fullness of light somehow turned into good versus evil and we know how that somehow worked. Well, yes, we do, but we'll leave that one alone. But yeah. we decided, okay, for us, we're going to see what the, the energy feels like because that's a big focus of our practice is how do we experience the different natural energies, for want of a better word, available to us. And Dark Nights has its own kind of energy. Absolutely. I mean, even my, like I say, myself as a solitary, I knew that there was something, sorry to use the overuse the trip, uh, the trite word, but I knew there was something magical about that period of time. There was something special there. Well, there is. You know, it's much more receptively based energies. You know, self-knowledge and thinking up new plans. And we have found that we do some of our best divination at the dark nights of the moon, which I suppose we should define. I could I, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so good, good, good catch. Let's let's have uh, let's have a walkthrough of what it means when we say dark nights of the moon. OK, well, if you look at the traditional quote unquote full moon in witchcraft practice is that three-day period where technically the middle of that three days is the actual full moon but what we see in the sky for those three days we can't perceive with our eyes any difference pretty much in fullness sure um almost so close to almost full that you really can't tell the difference 
then full, then so close to almost full that you really can't tell the difference is those three days. Yeah, Exactly. So if you think about it, technically, that first day of that three-day full moon period is the end of the waxing cycle. That we've come through since since the... Um, yeah, the last night, dark, dark side of the moon, yes. Right, then, yep. Full moon. Then that next day, that third day of that three-day period is actually the start of the waiting cycle. Right. Now, fast forward about two weeks, and you have that three-day dark nights of the moon period where it appears the same in the sky to our perception, visual perception. But that first day is actually the end of the waiting cycle. Then you have the actual... Dark Nights of the Moon Day, which a lot of apps list as the official new moon. And then the third day is then the first day of the waxing cycle. Understood. Yep. I I used to refer to that three-day period just in my own slang as the sliver moon. Yeah, exactly. Because it's a sliver one night, it's gone the next night, and then it's a sliver the third night. But... For the model that I use to perceive the energy and whatnot, that worked perfectly for me. And and it's it's neat to notice that I came up with something completely separate and different than you and Susie coming up with something, but they are so aligned yes. that it really sort of confirms that yes, objectively there's something there that as a human animal we are observing and it's a common observation. Yes, it is. And not just a common observation, but when you think about it, a lot of stuff in witchcraft is what people call UPG, unconfirmed personal gnosis. Sure. And you have two people who are very different and have come from very different approaches to witchcraft, like you and I have. To come up with something very similar is kind of a neat confirmation a little bit. Um, well, it's it's yeah. almost I was I was never big into statistics, but it's almost like a, a double blind test kind of thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> experiment when you think about it, you know, and the other piece is. We are not the only people out there who have noticed that over the years. Oh, sure. You know, and that's that's one of the best parts, I think, about practicing witchcraft is finding those commonalities between you and somebody else or another group or whatever. And you have enough commonalities that you can talk about stuff and enough things that make it individually yours. That makes right. So you were telling me about the stuff that you do with the different energy of the dark nights of the moon. Yes, exactly. Um, we consider it it's a good time to brainstorm. Because it's quiet, the energy is very mute. It's not it's not muted, but it's it's actually stronger. Those receptive energies, because for us, it has to become known through the dark. It's not like you have a light okay. ding the way. It's kind of that hidden pieces of receptive energy. Sure, it's just it's stronger, and it's very introspective. It's a pause. Because the darkness kind of makes you settle and sit with self. Sure. So that it's a good time, like I said, for brainstorming things you might want to focus on for the next moon cycle. Later sure. On, and whatever moon it's going to be. And this is just another case of 
you and I found our way to the same thing from such a vastly different background. Oh, yeah. Um, simply because if I could uh, just kind of give you my model for, for a moment. Please do. Um, all of the energy in our local system, all of the actual real radiant energy as opposed to metaphysical energy yep. from me has always been around the sun. Okay. So every time I look at a full moon, I am seeing the maximum reflection of the sun yes. and feeling that. Now, if you also suppose that the sun's rays going out from the sun are like this universal music or sound or what have you, okay, you are always feeling or hearing the sun in one way or another, except during those three nights when because physically, almost like an eclipse, because physically you're behind the planet you look at the moon without the noise of the sun. You know, you're sort of that quiet place or that calm place behind the rock in any stream. Yes. You know, you're in that little spot. There's no eddy. There's no flow. The water is just there. And often there's a frog in that spot. And some people say berries, but that depends on what you believe. But, but here again, during those dark nights of the moon is the time that I've always seen myself as sort of sitting behind that rock, watching the music wash off in the, the sides of my periphery mm -hmm. and understanding that the moon at that moment is mine to look at without being lit by the sun. Yes. In that, in the, That's where I got all of my real introspection is this is the one night that I can sit with the moon out of the sun's way. Which makes a great deal of sense when you put it like that. You no. know, as I said, it's a very introspective kind of feeling, and the energy tends to be more focused on personal stuff as opposed to the full moon is all about being out there and celebrating and energy and so on. And usually if you're working with a group, the group meets on the full moon, so there's that group work and that group energy, and there's a celebration-ish atmosphere. And the dark right. night, even if you are working with someone else, tends to be more solitary. Well, you know, and I, I just got to look back a week and a half to realize that the last moon cycle, you and I greeted each other and talked at both quarters. We did ritual on the full moon and on the new or dark moon, we both just sort of tucked into our caves and left each other alone for that night. We didn't do a ritual on the dark moon. Well, we didn't do a combined and together ritual because I know you did. And I still have the stuff laying on my altar from the, the work that I did. So we actually sort of proved our theory by not working together over this last dark night to the moon. I think we did in our own way. And as I said, it's also a good, as like I said, we've always had, very strong divination experiences. And maybe I, had, I hadn't made that coupling yet, but now I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to see what I can do as far as some, some pendulum work or some smoke work. Those are the, the two things that I'm looking at the most closely right now. Yeah, exactly. I, it seems, like you said, there's, there's less interference in the signal somehow. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You're in that, that quiet spot behind that rock where the, the universal flow that goes out from the sun. It's a bit wet. You're in the, oh, honey, I'm, I'm sorry. I just had sort of a, a thing from, from Sue. Um, her and I having a conversation one day, somehow in the, the course of the conversation, there was a, a quote that we ended up writing on the fridge and leaving there for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something out on the fence and she had left a coffee cup out and it had rained, but only lightly. So there was a sort of dry spot on the fence Okay. behind or in the lee and the way she described it is in the rain shadow of my coffee cup uh-huh. and for for some reason i that just that's kind of what we're talking about with that sitting behind the rock and being in the the sun shadow of our home yeah and it works and it, when we started doing rituals, specifically asking to be shown these different receptive types of energy. It's like every month, because we tend, so when I would tend to match our moon work to where the moon was astrologically at the time, and some of the qualities we associate with the different signs of the zodiac, we were shown a bunch of different, potential receptive energies that okay. tap into <laughs> as part of that time frame, as part of our practice going forward, because you can carry that shadow with you. And that's part sure. of Nights of the Moon Focus is learning how to carry that still introspective piece when you're being bombarded by the music of the sun. Well, and that that brings me around to what I was just thinking as you were saying that is we're, I don't have it concrete enough to describe yet. So go ahead. Okay. What the idea is like with the divination, for some reason you tap into that inner whatever. And I think that's a gift from the dark nights of the moon is, is suddenly having that divine spark shine more brightly to give you So, yeah, yeah. So I think, I think kind of across the board, I might be one layer or coming from a place that's one layer more primitive than your and Sue's observations in that I've always been very focused on the moon and the sun and their influences on our planet. Mm -hmm. I never got or have not yet gotten out into that world of astrology where then our position in that celestial ring, I'm kind of still more localized in my thinking. But that being said, what had occurred to me was that I have been practicing in tune with almost a sun-based theology in that yeah, I am the most active. I am the most doing. I am Atlas holding up the world during the, the full moon period, the, yeah. the the three full nights of the moon, so yeah. to speak. Yes, exactly. Or, but what it boils down to for me is I'm, I'm shouting on the full moon. 
and I'm asking on the dark moon. I'm sitting in that quiet place, and I'm not really doing. I'm looking for answers or hoping or breathing or whatever. But for me to simplify things down into my asking phase and my doing phase, it makes perfect sense that I would be most effective at my divination if I did the divination during the asking times and the manifestation during uh, full moon time. So, yeah, I think it's starting to to come together for me how my prior face tie in so well with the path. It's just kind of scary sometimes when you have these revelations, as it were, because it's like, okay, it's it's confirmation that some of our stuff is very personal on the path, the way we, we argued, well, not argued, but yeah, argued, discussed. Well, and that was the other thing I was going to say is I'm, I'm sure I have been programmed by hearing the two of you in the background over 10 years, yeah. and no matter how no matter how hard I try not to listen, and I'm not saying that I was trying not to, but I was doing other stuff, um, you're still going to hear what's going on in the background. And so probably I'm predisposed to be able to understand the path, um, but I also kind of enjoy playing the, the acolyte and having you explain our way through some of these aspects. Well, it, it also, I enjoy it because A, it helps me remember and clarify exactly what I mean and what it means to me in right. terms of all of these things. But what I am getting a big kick out of is seeing other people's practices are enough similar to ours that maybe the path, even though it is very personal to us, may have a more universal appeal. Well, and, and we can understand now that people are going to join our path and people are going to leave our path, and that's always going to be a dynamic thing. Yes. But once we are a caravan, so to speak, we will always be a caravan. And that, I have to tell you, at that very core level, that was one of the deepest asks that Susie had um, time time and time again during those last few weeks, what she said was, share it. Yeah. Share it with everyone. So that's that's one of the reasons that I'm I'm proud to be, you know, able to participate in this. Is because I know that we are now a movement, so to speak, that will thrive even after I'm gone. Oh, and me too. You know, absolutely, is, absolutely. This part, this is one of the reasons I write, is so that there is a record of this stuff, and it's a way to keep the memory of what we did alive, and by reflection, us in our own way. You know, because I, I like to think that the path is bigger than me. The path is always right. bigger than me. Where I walk is very individual, but the path itself is huge. Sure. You know, and the different ways people bring their personal, their personal selves to the path changes where you're walking for the time being as a caravan. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. 
you know, my, uh, my sort of model for the universe isn't quite string theory. It's more fabric. And yeah, we each have threads and sometimes we jump from one thread to another thread. Sometimes we'll run parallel with people or thoughts or beliefs for a while. And sometimes we'll run entirely perpendicular across purposes. So for me, it's the fabric of space time. Yeah, I like that. As they would say, the web of weird. In some so what kind of, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. what kind of rituals did you and Sue do at Dark Moon, or were you more kind of solitary and decoupled for those couple okay. of days? Um, when we first started talking about it, we realized that both of us had kind of been doing little things individually. Well, not little things, but solitary things. And we decided to come together for a while. And in all honesty, because I'm a rocks person, and we both know that, um, we started looking and asking to be shown some of the receptive energies, for want of the word, or energies that we might not have considered as receptive, that were stronger or that maybe we should be working with a bit more. And this is going to sound crazy, but I went, there's a rock place I like to go to, and I went on their website, and I just started looking and picking things because I liked the way they looked, and I bought a bunch and, of and, and for reference, rocks <laughs> is Elizabeth's word for stones, crystals, gems, and sacred compounds. Yes, thank you. That's a, yeah. Rocks. <laughs> just say rocks and all of that every time. Come on. Yeah, but, you, you, you call it rocks. I say my wonderful um, Dalmatian obsidian. <laughs> yeah, see, this is it. And so I literally went and picked stuff. Then I get the rocks, and I start researching and living with them and so on. And all of a sudden, okay, this one, this is the energy. And it was partially, you know, looking at the astrological piece and kind of just where we are in the physical environment of our year, you know, January's weather, so you're- June. And we started month after month kind of connecting with that energy through the rocks so that we had like all these touchstones wandering around. So you probably have a stack of them at your house of these different pieces that we could use back <laughs> she was the only woman i know whose purse was a lethal weapon just because of the rocks in the box well absolutely ballast i mean if she ever set that thing down she had, she would have ended up walking in a circle for a week <laughs> well yeah exactly but <laughs> it would literally create these touchstones similar so really if, if if I can roll back to a, an earlier episode of something that I'm learning the verbiage that's commonly used, yeah. really what you have been doing is defining your correspondences for these stones and their energies. In terms of the receptivity of the dark mood energies, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's that- just another another type of correspondence. That makes sense. It's been a whole, that was a whole shit ton of fun because it was like for literally 13 months, I kid you not, because, you know, we have a lunar calendar, so I bought 13 rocks. Every single month, the rock matched. That's wonderful. It was a rock that matched the purpose of the energy that we were thinking about that the astrological piece of it and those characteristics and that receptive piece that 
it was like insane. <laughs> I, I I wonder what the experience would be like. We may we may have to try this. Um, get a crystal grid and get those thirteen stones and put them on a grid and, and see, see what, what happens. Oh yeah, exactly. and can I tell you, it became a joke because I think all but one of them was always found in Madagascar. Because I one of the I remember like, that. Yeah. Madagascar, 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 which makes a great deal of sense because that's always been considered a dark island. And the lemurs with the giant eyes. Right. Yeah. The darkness of the, the trees and all of that. So it, it was like, okay, now that makes perfect sense. Sure. Absolutely. You know, some people consider Madagascar kind of a sinkhole for energy in terms of it absorbs a lot. So it was. I had, not, I had not run across that. Yeah, well, I don't know where I ran across that, but I did way before. But it was it was hysterical because some of the stuff would be found in other places, and I would always prepare a little cheat sheet almost about each stone as part of our ritual, and it would you know talking about you know the composition and what it looks you know the cult the primary colors associated with it, and then where you could find it throughout the world. Yep. I've where? run across some. I've run across some of those cheat sheets. Yeah. And where where else it was found? It was in Madagascar, and it's like okay, somebody is something is trying to give us a synchronicity or somewhere. The universe yeah. is telling us somewhere we're on the right track, and that's kind of what we did. And because of that, we recognized that it isn't just a blank slate. The energy. It's not just blanket receptive. There's all different layers and levels to receptive types of energy, just like there are to the physical elements or to the old gods and ancestors energy, to the genus loci energy. Yeah. Or the moon cycle itself has different energies associated with it. And sure. nights, which everybody considers kind of a blank, as you put it is yep. full of receptive possibilities. Right, right. Yeah, it's that which I face toward right. during my period of asking. Exactly. And not only does it receive your asking, it opens you up to needing this type of receiving in your own life. Right, absolutely. And this particular type of reason, whether it's some sort of mental focus or clarity or introspective piece. It sort of expands it, is for want of a better word. I think is what that dark nights of the moon does. It expands because you can see farther in the dark than you can in the light. Right. Yeah. I was I was just applying my model of the the sun's music, and yes, you can hear better during those quiet moments. Absolutely. That's yeah. kind of a Zen thing. Yeah, probably. And would be also Which, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I wonder. I think for me, somewhere along the 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 journey that I've had, the dark nights of the moon, or what I have used to hear as the new moon, is kind of a very Zen time, or a reflective, introspective, calm, um, or at least it has been for me in recent years. Yeah, and, and, and if you think about it, it's also has been one of that receptive energies is what we call a positive reset. Yep. There has to and be. And it was, 
moment of stillness before you start moving again. Right, right, absolutely. It was interesting that during that description, you used the phrase layers and levels, because layers and levels is a witchstone spotlight that I'm getting ready to record here next. Well, isn't that a good point, maybe, to stop the conversation before we go down another rabbit hole, which we seem to be getting... Oh, I know. I, I think we have an awful lot of fun. I do, too. But... I do know I go through an awful lot of coffee. Oh, me too, but that's my life. And you provide an awful lot of conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Clarify and think as an adult sometimes, and I miss that when Susan Susan being gone. Sure. You know, I I live with a bunch of people who have not reached adulthood yet, so the conversation is a very different focus and level than it is when you and I are talking. I work in a metaphysical store, which means I work with a ton of people who have not yet reached maturity. I belong there. So I'm perfectly comfortable in saying that growing up to me is part of the same program as Guild was. and I don't play those tapes anymore. There you go. I like it. So you have an awesome rest of your day and you out there listening. Have an awesome rest of your, until we talk to you again. Exactly. And as soon as I like to say, may you find verse and reverence in all things. As above, so below. Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. In today's Witch Stone Spotlight, we'll be looking at the stone cards for layers and levels. Concept stone cards focus on an aspect of the craft rather than a specific physical energy. The layers and levels stone card is the fifth of eight mental concept stone cards of the Witchstone Oracle that relate to the energy of thoughts or processes. It displays a pictograph of a face that contains layers and levels of white, gray, red, and black, surrounded by a white and black border. The border being split white over black tells us that this is a concept stone. The border being white over black over or air over earth tells us that this card represents a mental concept. Having walked the path for quite a while, we know that everyone has layers of body, mind, and spirit, from the external which we share with the world to the internal of our very being, mundane awareness to ineffable beingness. These layers and levels can be integrated more fully into our lives and practice and can be a symbol of the quest of self-discovery. All of us have these layers and levels, the layers of traits and experiences to which we have attached personal positive and negative meanings. Part of our spiritual growth is sifting through these layers and levels to create a more cohesive whole. This includes more self-acceptance, which is embracing who you are without reservation, and self-efficacy, 
which is the core belief that you are a capable individual who can accomplish things. At its deepest and most basic, it is about learning to live comfortably with yourself more and more. The Layers and Levels card starts out based in receptive energies because of the ideas about the internal work needed to generate personal understanding. It can then move towards the projective as you do that internal work, experience the changes manifest in how you present yourself to the world around you. As it is both receptive and then projective, its energy is associated with the dark and light half of the year. The layers and levels stone card is associated with both with the dark new moon and the full moons. Layers and levels represents thoughts and ideas when reflecting on the element of air. Layers and levels represents personal development when reflecting on the element of earth. And our thoughts to process focus on seeing our internal work through to those internal, or excuse me, external changes. In a reading, the seen energy for the layers and level stone card is shadow work, self-exploration, and breakthrough is coming. Shadow work is about learning to integrate those supposedly negative traits and experiences into your present self. And this may be the time to devote some time and effort to this process. Self-exploration may mean sitting with yourself to figure out who you truly are without considering the expectations or of others. And breakthrough is coming may mean that you are about to move more quickly than you had anticipated through this work on a particular personal layer or level. The unseen energy for the layers and levels stone card in a reading is shadow work, unwillingness to look deeper, and focus on yourself. Shadow work is about learning to integrate those supposedly negative traits and experiences into your present self. And this may be the time to stop trying to force yourself to deal with what you are not currently ready to handle. Unwilling to look deeper may be asking you to understand why you are reluctant to look at a particular area of your life at this time. And focus on yourself may mean we need to stop concentrating on the perceived negatives of others and keep the focus on the truth of ourselves. After all, it is said that what we most dislike in the behavior of others is what we cannot see in ourselves. We have heard from some of our listeners who appreciate what we are talking about in our segments, but are asking for spells or about spells. Can you give me a spell for this or that? I want to be able to fill in the blank here, find love, romance, money, etc. Since you asked, we are adding a small segment to some of our podcasts going forward that we are calling Practical Magic for the Everyday Witch. These are simple spells we use that don't require a lot of ingredients for correspondences or sometimes no ingredients at all. Because we like to be able to use magic to deal with the practical everyday stuff, this is what we have to share. However, 
The biggest reminder about spellcraft is that the best spells are the ones you create for yourself because they are a part of your own magic. Actually, there are three important components to any spell. Number one is setting your intent. This means that you need to be able to state clearly and precisely what you want your spell to do and how you want it to be done. Number two is ingredients. Any physical items you need to cast your spells, such as candles or herbs, or to act as correspondences, which are representations of something physical that you don't have right in front of you or are trying to come up with or manifest. Finally, number three is some sort of way to raise energy. After all, all spells are powered by energy, and there are a number of different ways to raise this type of energy, including chanting or various movements. We all have qualities or needs that we think we need to draw into our lives. So here is a quick and inexpensive spell way to explode a particular quality or need into your life and to put your intent continuously out into the universe. Obviously, there's intent involved. I want to draw whatever quality or need inserted here into my life as quickly as possible. The ingredients for this spell are simple. A pen or something else that writes markers, pencils, crayons, colored pencils, whatever floats your boat, and sticky notes in various colors. Now, the idea is you're going to figure out one word that best describes or exemplifies what you are trying to manifest and decide on a color correspondence that works for you about this particular word. Now, take a tablet of sticky notes in the appropriate color. You can get them very cheaply at the dollar store in a multitude of colors and write the word over and over on a bunch of them. And then stick them up all over your home or workspace where you will see them all the time while repeating the following spell chant every time you stick a note somewhere. And the chant goes as follows. Every reminder that I do see draws whatever quality or need into my life for me. Again, that's every reminder that I do see draws quality or need into my life for me and insert the word that you're using. Now, every time you catch a glimpse of one of the notes, repeat the chant to yourself. And when the results manifest, carefully take down the notes and dispose of them appropriately. The idea is to explode it around you. You'll see it everywhere you are. And one note. It is always best to focus on one quality or need at a time, even though it may be tempting to go on a sticky note rampage for all sorts of things, so that you have the energy devoted or needed to one thing at a time. Get better results that way. Again, it's a simple spell. Sticky note explosions. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is a fresh idea about repurposing and recycling items that we've spent magical energy with, or on, or around. It occurred to me out in the yard this afternoon, taking advantage of a nice late summer day to do a little bit of tidying. We have a little mini yard altar that I keep out in the yard. Okay, there's actually an altar in pretty much every room of my house. But anyway, out on the yard altar, I had three small plates, 
three small glasses and three half-empty bottles of this sparkling fruit beverage that Elizabeth habitually supplies to us for the household portions of our ritual. The reason for these three is back on the full moon, we did three nights of ritual with the beginning of our times of lokmas. The three nights are what we've referred to as ingress, congress, and egress, or our ice cycle. So after any ritual, it's my custom to take the remaining cake, if you think of it in the terms of cakes and ale, and the partly drank glass of juice, and I leave them out on the third altar. In a day or three, the bread and the drink is usually magically gone. I have friends in the yard. So I used to take those leftover bottles of juice and pour them gently into Sue's flower garden or pour them into the spice garden or pour them into one of her planting pots just to kind of use up the last of any sacred energy that's still imbibed in that juice since that bottle was open during ritual and that bottle was blessed. So today I had three bottles. So it occurred to me that I could do quite a few little pour some out here spots. And then I realized that I had just poured a little bit on the frame of my bike to keep me safe and, and bless it while I'm riding. And I put a little dribble by the door to protect us from anything that wants to come in and harm us. And I dribbled a little bit around a couple of other things that I'm trying to work some magic out in the yard. And it dawned on me that what I have actually created with this unconscious habit is now my new form of holy water. This liquid was blessed and shared from a previous ritual, so it's full of sacred energy. It's full of both crone and shaman sage energy, and I can use this bottled energy anywhere. I don't necessarily recommend drinking it, especially after it's been out in the sun for a few days, but this is indeed sacred liquid. So now, my humble housel water is my go-to holy water. For now, be safe, be blessed, and be loved. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. You can also find us on social media, such as Facebook and Twitter. Until then, then, remember, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. We are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So, so it be. be.